to remind people of what could happen to you if you defied the government, that you too would find yourself crucified upon a cross. It was a symbol of torture and death, or as the hymn, the, the old rugged cross describes it, it was an emblem of suffering and shame. Seems like there could have been a better symbol of what it means to be a Christian. Maybe a dove or an ichthus fish. And each of those symbols were used by the early church. But as time went by, the cross became the symbol of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So this morning as we look together at why we are thankful for the cross, we need to ask ourselves some questions that are really important. The first one is this, what makes the cross so critical? What is it that makes the cross so important? And there's some things that we recognize that we only find in the reality of the cross. In the cross, the depths of God's love is revealed. You know, it's one thing to tell somebody, God loves you. It's something altogether different to say, God so loved the world. And it is even more important when you begin to say, God so loved, and you insert your own name there. Not just the world or not just the church, but me. God so loved me that he gave his only son. Romans 5, 8 declares, but God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What would motivate Almighty God to sacrifice his only begotten son in order to save those whose personal lives had separated them from himself? Why in the world would God want to save someone? Why in the world would God send his son to the cross for people who did not deserve it? Who did not expect it? Who were struggling to find some kind of hope, some kind of meaning in a dark and dismal world? And there's only one answer, love, only love. The cross reminds us of the love of God. When we stand beneath it, when it's central to everything we are and everything we do, we recognize that we are the objects of God's great love, not because we deserve it, but because we so need it, because he saw lost and miserable people and he could not sit still and do nothing. It was all about his love. Not only that, in the cross, the extent of God's forgiveness is revealed. There's an incredible word that's used throughout the Bible to describe what God does when he saves lost souls. And that word is reconciled. We are reconciled to God. What does that mean? That means once I was a long way away from him. And I couldn't find my way back. And my sin had separated me from him. And there was nothing I could do to redeem myself. But God, through his son and through his cross, reconciled me, brought me back, made me his own. Reconciled means we are absolutely and completely restored to the Lord. It means there is no separation. It means nothing gets in the way. Through the cross, we are brought all the way home to our loving Father. 
What does that mean? That means when you are forgiven, you are forgiven completely. When you are forgiven, God restores you to a relationship with him that was once lost. The Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. What does that mean? That means when you are forgiven, you're forgiven. You're not kind of forgiven. You're not mostly forgiven. You're not sort of forgiven. You're forgiven. It's gone. You're brought home. You are reconciled. Forgiveness is not possible without a sacrifice. And that sacrifice is why the cross is so critical to us as believers. Colossians 1, 19 and 20 declares, For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. We recognize that the cross had to be what it was. It had to be a symbol of torture and suffering suffering and death because that was what it meant for Jesus to give himself for you it was the blood sacrifice because the Bible tells us there is no forgiveness without the blood because the real question that you have to face this morning is simply this have you been covered by the blood that sounds so distasteful, doesn't it? Sounds so repellent. And yet it is so necessary. It is when we are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, the blood of the cross, that we are reconciled to God, that we are forgiven of our sins, that everything is set aside in order for us to be back where we belong. But not only that, in the cross, Jesus' conditions for discipleship are revealed. It's the most demanding statement Jesus ever made to his disciples. Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. What does that mean? That means to embrace the cross is to choose to follow Christ. You define yourself by Jesus' call on your life. This is who I am. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I am someone who is found in the shadow of the cross. The cross compels me to follow wherever he leads. To take up your cross and to die is in, uh, take up your cross is to die to anything, anything that would lead you anywhere except where Jesus is leading in your life. It is to say, because I live in the shadow of the cross, because I am a person of the cross, there is nowhere God can tell me to go that I will not go. There's nowhere Jesus is going to lead me where I will not follow. I belong to him, and I live in the shadow of the cross. And that's why it's so important for us as a church that when we gather in this place, we gather, and the cross is central to everything we believe. If we're worshiping the way we ought to worship, the truth is that from time to time you ought to glance at me, but mostly you ought to look to that, which is the reality of who we are. 
So what does the cross mean? That's what it meant in biblical times. That's what it means in theological terms. These are the things we believe. But here's my question. So what does the cross mean to you today? We know it's a historical reality. We recognize it has powerful spiritual significance. We accept it as the symbol of Christians all over the world. But here's my question. So what about you? What should the cross mean to you? How do you respond to the cross? How does it affect your life right here, right now? And the answer lies in your response to the gospel of the cross of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians reminds us that people respond to the cross in one of three ways most of the time. He says this, to some, it is a stumbling block. Some people can't get around the cross. Who are these people? These are the people who believe they can be good enough on their own. It's a stumbling block because the gospel of the cross, the gospel of a crucified Christ, reminds us that you need Jesus. You've got to have Jesus in your life. And that's a stumbling block for folks who like to think, well, I'm okay all by myself. I can take care of my own life. I can earn my way into heaven. To them, the cross violates their belief in their own self-sufficiency. You see, when you look at the cross and see it for what it is, you begin to realize, I really do need the Lord. And I like to think I don't need Jesus or anybody else because I can do it all on my own. These people may be willing to admit they're not perfect, but they're sure they're better than most people. And because they're better than the people around them, they have no doubt that someday when they face eternity, they will spend eternity in heaven because they think they can get there all by themselves. And in their eyes, the cross is a testimony to the helplessness of men to earn their way to heaven. But here's what the Bible tells us. There is no road to heaven, to salvation, that has any chance to lead around the cross. There's just no way where you can go to the left and the right and bypass the cross and find peace with God. The news that Jesus alone has done everything that is necessary for them to be saved is a stumbling block in their lives. And so for some, the cross is a stumbling block. You may be here today, and the truth is, that's exactly what's going on in your own life. You have said to yourself, I'm okay. I can take care of myself. I don't need what God has done for me because I can do it all alone. I can bypass the power of the cross. And if that's you, I owe it to you this morning to say to you, no, you can't. There's no way. If the cross is your stumbling block, you need to recognize that all by yourself, in your own strength, by your own goodness, you are only one thing, lost. 
You are lost and you are separated from God because apart from the cross, there is no hope. And Paul reminds us that for some, the cross is a stumbling block. And then he says this, and to some, it's foolishness. These are people who are convinced that Christianity is just one religion among many and every one of them are equally valid. As long as you believe something, that's all that really matters. As long as you are sincere, that's all that counts. Until you encounter the cross. It makes no sense. If every way is just as good as every other way, if every answer is just as valid as every other answer, there is absolutely no reason that anybody had to die. After all, the cross is foolish because it says this is the one and only way to be right with God. There is no other valid way. Those who find the cross to be foolish reject the idea that Jesus is the only Savior and the cross is the only way to God. It is foolish because if every way is the same, nobody needs to be a sacrifice. In fact, the blood and sacrifice of Jesus seem like a waste of a holy man to those who see the cross as foolishness. They can't come to Christ because they believe that what Jesus did just was not necessary. And maybe that's who you are today. Maybe today you're here and you're saying, look, I, I recognize that Christianity is important. I recognize it's important to you, but it's just one way. There are a lot of other ways, but as far as I know, there are no other ways that lead to God except the way of the cross. That's the testimony of Scripture. That's not Jim's opinion. That's not anybody else's idea. That's what God has revealed in his word. And if for you today... The preaching of the cross is foolishness. You need to recognize that while it may seem foolish to you, it is true. It is absolutely true. It is unbreakably true. To some, the Bible says, the cross is a stumbling block. And to some, it is foolishness. But then there's a third category of people. And this is what the Bible says. To those who are being saved, the cross is the power of God. To those who are being saved, they recognize the cross and the cross alone is what I need in my life. I need to know that I have been covered by the power of Jesus. It's the only way to experience what only he can do. The cross is all about the power of God. When we look at the cross, we see the power of God, power to forgive, power to transform, power to redeem from hell, power to grant eternal life, power to give you a personal relationship with the Lord. The cross is all about the power of God, the power of God to take a soul that is dead and give it life. 
The power to find someone who is lost and bring them back to the Lord. The power to transform you for all of eternity. For those who are being saved, the cross is the power of God. And I look at that and I think, see what God has done for me. See how Jesus died for me. See how I have a way back to the Lord. And it's through the power of the cross. So what makes the difference? What makes the difference between those who find the cross a stumbling block and those who find the cross foolishness and those who find the cross the power of God? What determines how you're going to respond to the gospel? The answer is found in one word, faith. Faith. Trusting him to do what he has promised he will do. Believing he can do what only he can do. Faith. The cross in the center of our sanctuary simply says this. We believe in the power of the gospel. We believe by faith that Jesus died a substitutionary death on the cross for you and me. We believe by faith we receive the gift of forgiveness and eternal life. We believe by faith we live in the shadow of the cross. We believe by faith we make the cross central in our lives as it is central in our church. We believe by faith that the cross makes us right with God. So I guess that's my question for you today is not where is the cross in this building? My question for you this morning is, where is the cross in the depth of your soul? Are you found in the shadow of the cross? Or are you trying to find some other way? Maybe today you're here and you heard yourself described and you recognized, you know what, I'm tired of trying to do this on my own because I figured out it's not going to work. I'm tired of believing that there are all kinds of ways to God when I feel just as lost as I ever have been. Maybe today is the day when you need to come and plant your life in the shadow of the cross to trust Jesus as your Savior, to follow him, as your Lord. What are you doing with the cross today? We are thankful for the cross, but we also recognize there's a call, and that call is to trust Him as Savior and as Lord. Do you need to do that today? In a moment, we're going to stand, we're going to sing an invitation hymn. If today is a day when you would like to trust Jesus as your Savior, all you got to do is walk this aisle, come to me, and I'll be glad to introduce you to the one who can save you for all eternity. Or maybe you're here today and you're recognizing, you know what, this is where God is planning me, calling me to plant my life, and I want to become a member of this church, and today I come to join the church. Or maybe God's dealing with you about something very specific in your life, and you just need somebody to pray with you about it. You come as well. Is there a decision you need to make? As the Holy Spirit speaks to you, as we stand and as we sing, you come. Let's stand together.
Well, it's been good to be together in God's house this morning. I'm glad we got to worship together. I, I was thinking as we were worshiping a while ago, Jeff, that uh, a lot of churches were worshiping in church this Sunday, but I don't know if anybody was doing a better job than we were. What a great service we had this morning. Let me encourage you to be back tonight, 5 o'clock. We're continuing our Roman study. This is also a wonderful Sunday night. If you hadn't been in a while to, to be there, because this is Second Sunday Snack Supper night, which means you're going to re- get some good Bible teaching, and then we're going to enjoy a good meal together. And I think George and Paul, aren't y'all in charge of Second Sunday? It's going to be good. We look forward to seeing you then. Let's bow together now for a closing prayer, and then one last song as we dismiss. Father, we do thank you for the power of the cross. Thank you, Lord that it is central, central in this room, central in our hearts, central in our lives. Help us, Father, to know who we are and to define what we do by where we are in relation to your cross and what you've done. We are thankful, Lord, for the cross. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.